a Cooley and Kevin Monday recap of the Washington-Arizona game and all of the NFL coming up right after I tell you about Visa. Visa knows that local businesses are the heartbeat of our communities. Whether there are corner stores or coffee spots or our favorite shops, local businesses have always been there for us. They remember our orders. They call us by name, always giving back, making a difference, and going that extra mile to support us and our community. And right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support. So now it's time for us to return the favor. The next time you go shopping, make the choice to shop at a local business and look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with a contactless visa to help support your community because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be, official partner of the NFL. You don't want it. You don't need it, but you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. And first down, and here is Murray. Murray wending his way. First down, touchdown, Cardinals. Boy, is he special. A 30-15 loss in Arizona, and that guy, Kyler Murray, was the best player on the field yesterday. Uh, Cooley called it on Friday. He said Arizona's a seven-point favorite, and they're a seven-point favorite for a reason. They were going to be difficult to deal with uh, both sides of the ball. Cooley is with me. It's a Cooley and Kevin Monday recap show. We're going to certainly get to our game take. Cooley's going to do his mmms and uhs. We'll do it that way again. I've got a full game take. We'll go around the NFL. Cooley, crazy day in the NFL. I mean, that that Dallas game, the onside kick, the game last night between the Patriots and the Seahawks, it was a wild week, too. I mean, it seemed like football yesterday. It was a wild week. I watched the Dallas game live for the last four minutes of that game as they came back from 15 points in four minutes, and then I watched the onside's kick just in awe that Atlanta let it roll to 10 yards. I watched a ton of football yesterday. I watched the Seattle Seahawks and the Patriots and just how good Seattle is and how good Russell Wilson is. I watched all the Washington football team game, which was a little bit interesting. But, yeah, there was there were some good ball games. Kansas City, man, that was a heck of a game, the Kansas City game. So, yeah, good football. I wish we had some better football to watch because I thought our game was one of the worst games of the day. <laughs> I'm wondering, did you um, – I guess you were watching Dallas-Atlanta. By the way, if Cooley's audio sounds a little bit different, we're trying him via Zoom today to create a better quality sound situation. And we're, we're very flexible here on a Cooley and Kevin Monday. If we don't like it or if you don't like the sound of it, uh, actually, I thought the phone uh, thing really improved towards the end of last week. But everybody uh, suggesting to us that this is the way to go right now in this environment. But were you um, on Dallas-Atlanta because they weren't switching to the to the 4 o'clock game uh, or you couldn't get the, the, the Skins-Cardinals game? Because that went well into the first quarter of the Washington-Arizona game. So we took a trip over the weekend to Thermopolis, Wyoming, where there's a mineral hot springs. And the kids were playing with some other kids and we'd stayed the night, Saturday night. And so I wanted to drive home to make the game, but everyone was excited to stay there. And I figured we could just watch it in the car ride on the way home. I have Hulu, it would be fine. For whatever reason, the Hulu I have on my phone doesn't have the Washington game. It didn't have it until I got home, so I didn't start I didn't get into our game real time until late into the second quarter. So I watched the Dallas game on the ride home. I, I see. Which is, 
which is why I watched the Dallas game. So did you go back and watch the first half of the Washington game on Game Pass? Yeah, I went back and watched it on Hulu last night, oh. and then I watched a bunch of the first half again on Game Pass today, and it's it's out on film for me today as well, which I haven't quite gotten to. It's funny, I, I, I did this last Monday, I went and I watched the film, and I feel like it takes away your fan take from the game. It makes it a more analytical take on Monday, which I don't necessarily want. I want to have that kind of fresh, I just watched it off TV take before I get too deep into who did what and why. Right. So I haven't actually, I was up early this morning, but I just watched it again on the game replay, the condensed version, which is awesome. Oh, yeah. In fact, the NFL, ne- NFL does that on Game Pass is awesome. The condensed v- version is great. Yeah, I agree. Um, the the NFL Game Pass, I mean, you talked me into this thing, I don't know, four or five years ago, whenever it was, and it was, um, it's been great. I mean, I like the coach's film, but really, you know, it's a great way to go and watch the other games that you didn't see in condensed version, which is sort of what I did with the Arizona-San Francisco game late last week. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, when we did this show together, when you did it with Galdi and with Zabe, it was always the fan reaction on Monday and then the analytical film breakdown on Tuesday and Wednesday. And that's what we're going to do here on the podcast as well. By the way, Thermopolis, Wyoming, hot springs country where you like, did you spend time, you know, waiting in, in those hot springs? <laughs> well, we actually stayed at the Sacagawea Well, which you can look up. Pumps out 1.3 million gallons of water every single day wow. at 130 degrees. But they just divide it up into different pools. They actually have a hot springs where there are water slides and stuff there. Um, it's a it's a tiny town though, and we just stayed at the one. There's an RV park. Our friends all had RVs. We didn't. We don't. Uh-huh. We'll get one because if you live here, you better have one. We stayed at the Days Inn for the night. <laughs> it was funny, though. I packed all the clothes for all the kids and everything, and I forgot the bag. I packed a whole car full of stuff. I forgot the bag of clothes. <laughs> you forgot their clothes? <laughs> Do this. Look up clothing and apparel in Thermopolis, Wyoming. Oh, my God. You can't find it. I, I bought pajamas at the Family Dollar, which was the only store that you could actually buy clothing in oh my God. Thermopolis, Wyoming. And then I went to the the swimming place with the slides and stuff, which is popular. By the way, you can do year-round because it's a mineral hot spring. It's warm. And they gave me kids, kids swimming suits out of the lost and found. Oh, jeez. You're a mess. <laughs> you know... Um, I actually, so when we were in Iceland a couple of summers ago, remember I called in, uh, that was the, uh, the them not getting Kirk signed by the franchise tag and then Bruce Allen calling that hasty press conference to uh, to rip him publicly and I and I called into the show from Iceland. But anyway, um, I'm, I'm digressing here because they've got this very famous hot springs spa, which is a public thing called the Blue Lagoon, I think was the name of it. I think, or maybe just the lagoon. I forget. We went. um, And I have to tell you that, you know, when those places have a lot of people in them, it's gross. I I just, there were, I mean, I remember walking around and it's kind of cool to be in it for a little bit, but I'd like to be in there by myself, not with a lot of other people with long hair and hairs floating around. I, I just don't. 
I I don't think they're they're very clean. I think they're sort of gross. And I would imagine in pandemic times, I mean, are, are, is 130 degrees enough to kill a virus, or does it spread? I think, I think you could put chlorine in the water if you want to put chlorine in the water. Of course you could. In and where we were, we were at this, we were at the second Julia Well, Thermopolis. <laughs> Our kids were in our family was the only one in the pool while we were there. Oh, that's that's perfect. I mean, if I had one of those things to myself, that would be awesome. Like if I had a hot springs in my backyard living in Montana or Wyoming. You know, um the w- the first time I ever went to Wyoming, we're going to get to the game take here in a moment, I promise. The first time I ever went to Wyoming, I've told you this story. I was 21 years old. It was after my junior year at Maryland or really turned out to be my sophomore year credits wise. Um should have been my junior year. My buddy Mike and I um got into a car. We did this drive away service where a family was moving to DC from DC to Oakland, California. They gave us their car to drive. Um, It was a Honda Accord. They paid for the gas. We had to pay for everything else, and they said, take your time. Well, we took our time going out. It took us, you know, we took a week and a half, two weeks going out, and one of our stops was at Old Faithful, you know, in Yellowstone. And I remember being mesmerized by Old Faithful and just, and I know it's a total tourist trap, but all of the geysers and and springs, I think that thing is so fascinating to see that thing just erupt from the ground every, you know, whatever it was, every 20 minutes. I don't even know what the time's. About every hour. Is it every hour? So, But it's faithful. Oh, it is faithful. It is faithful. And um, <laughs> I remember how cool it is. It's just, it's pretty wild, the planet, you know, and it's pretty wild the differences in our country's ge- you know, geography and how many different climates and how many different, you know, environments there are. And, and, you know, it's funny. I don't. I'm getting sidetracked again here. In recent days, my boys and I were talking about all the fires out west. And do you know that the smoke from the fires out west has actually traveled east? the 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 sun was super hazy last week. There was actually some people could smell the smoke in the air because it got caught up in the jet stream. And, um, you know, living on the East Coast, living in D.C., not, you know, the Southeast Coast, but in the Mid-Atlantic or Northeast, it's probably, Cooley, the safest place to live in terms of natural disaster possibility. No fires, no earthquakes. We did have that earthquake in 2011, but it's really a long shot. No real tornadoes. You know, it's not Midwest country. Hurricanes, by the time they get here, are basically tropical storms. You know, really the worst weather event we can have is a severe blizzard, which we've had before, you know, several times over the last 10 to 15 years. But when you get out west and you're in California with fires and earthquakes and, you know, there there's so many other possibilities in terms of natural disaster. Yeah, it's it's it, it's very true. Well, Wyoming, I feel like, is one of the safer places. It's just that when Yellowstone erupts, Wyoming's going to be magma. <laughs> right. <laughs> so you're waiting for the one biggest national disaster. Well, you can have, I mean, well, you can, you can have the same thing we have and, and have a better chance of having severe winter weather, but you know, why sure, but you deal with severe winter weather here without problem. Right. And by the way, you mentioned the smoke. You think I don't realize that it went East. It, 
It was a haze for two weeks here. Right. Oh, I bet it was. Of course. Um, but you can get tornadoes in Wyoming, can't you? No, usually the mountains break them up. Oh, we that's don't a get good any. point. Good point. Um, all right. Uh, so, not too bad there. Yeah, let's uh, let's get to the game take right after I tell you about Fubo TV, which which Cooley actually, I think this is for you. You can watch live sports without cable, a hundred plus channels. You can push for the family pa- plan where three people can watch at once. There's a standard base plan with two screens at once. You get fifteen percent off your first month, thirty hours of DVR uh, capability, and your local broadcast as well. Tough times for a lot of folks, but if you want to save money. $50 is more than affordable than other cable providers. With the NFL season now upon us, Fubo TV will not disappoint. Stay updated on your favorite teams as well as local broadcast news. So go to FuboTV.com slash athletic today and get 15% off your first month. You won't regret it. That's FuboTV.com slash athletic. Start your first month today. All right, let's uh, let's get to our game take. Cooley will start with his ums, ums. The ums is the good one, and the oohs. Is that right? Did, did I get that wrong? Why don't you well, explain? Well, someone said that on Twitter this week. That and I remembered that we did that. Yeah, I don't know. That was your what idea. I came up with. Mm. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> there were a lot more. There were a lot more is. From yesterday's in this game. game. All right. The, yeah. You kick it off, I, then I'll get to my game take. Go ahead. I think the biggest eh from this game in general, Kevin, was that they had chances to answer, and they had chances to answer early in the game, and they didn't take advantage of those opportunities. That was the difference to me between the Philadelphia game the week before and this game in Arizona. You, you look at a Landon Collins interception down 7-0. You have an opportunity to go down and at least put three points on the board. That's that, that's killer to fumble down there. I, I thought in looking at it on the television, they run a run action pass with two crossing routes, Sims and McLaurin. The safety takes McLaurin. The ball's just got to come out to Sims. It's, it is immediate pressure and he's getting hit before it should he should get hit. But you have to make a decision at that mess, mesh point which way the safety's going, and let it go high with a little bit of loft where your receiver could be the only guy to run under it. It kills you. The next drive, they end up forcing a punt, and Sims Jr. fumbles the punt. Now all of a sudden, you're down again. And look, they had a heck of a comeback against Philadelphia, and Carson Wentz got, he won the Pampers Bedwetter Award of the week last week against, against the Washington defense with poor play well not everybody's going to do that every week and so to me that was one of the biggest is in this game is you get down 17-0 and then 20-0 and they just don't have the firepower offensively to ever really overcome those things especially against good football teams to me you're, you're not going to overcome it right. and, and so you, you get into that and you're like look we can sit here and say they beat themselves but at the same time, I don't know, man. Do they beat themselves or is it just if you don't take advantage of a couple key momentum opportunities, then you're in big trouble. Yeah, that, they... that, that, that was the biggest. I know that there are some other things, and I'm obviously we're going to get to those other things, but that was the biggest one was you can't afford to make mistakes in critical situations. And they did. 
Yeah, um, two turnovers in the first half were, were crucial, and, and that first one in particular. I mean, it, it's a 7 nothing game. You've got a chance to tie it. It's still a 7 nothing game, and you're going to get the ball back in decent field position when Sims Jr. fumbles. It's really hard when you're a team that isn't explosive offensively um, and is going to have a hard time, even though they did it last week, you know, being consistent offensively right now to blow, you know, a red zone opportunity off of a turnover and decent, you know, close to midfield position after a stop on a punt return. Um, and, you know, it was still a 7 nothing game in both of those situations. That, that was a shame that they couldn't take advantage of that. No, it, it, it is absolutely a shame. My my other biggest eh takeaway is from this game. Is it eh or is it uh? Eh. Okay. Uh, whatever you want it to be. Whatever I don't you know. want it to be. This is your segment. Eh. Eh. Yeah, I think I would say eh. Eh. Okay. And it goes back to earlier in the week with Ron Rivera saying that this offense won't be at its full capacity until at least next season. Right. And then the game, which was about the process. And it wasn't about the outcome. It's about the process. And then we're not going to take any risks at the end of the game. And we're not going to use any of our timeouts at the end of the game. Although we're building culture at the same time. I just, I have a hard time mixing those two things. Thinking if I'm a eight-year veteran on that team that's a part of building that culture. To me, building the culture means always winning. Now, they may have been out of the game. Okay, when the timeout situation came up, they were down 27-15. They had not gotten the two-point conversion. But I think you still use timeouts. And you look at the Dallas game, and they overcome 15 points in four minutes. To me, you don't quit in that situation. It, I, I, I think you can explain it, and your, your explanations can be very spot on. But you're weighing out there's there's always a chance. So, so you're saying there's a chance? Ron wasn't saying there was a chance. Right. And I also thought in that, and this is a decision that you could take whatever way you want to take, but as I was watching the game, with their offense being as bad as it was, when they got down in the red zone late in the game down 20-0, to zero, they took a penalty. I think what Morgan Moses had a hold on a run play. They get back down to third and seven. They don't get it in. I thought it was really four down situation there because to me, when I looked at that, it was at most, you're going to get three more possessions unless you get an onsides. And then it's crazy to think four. and I'm watching this game going, are you going to stop Arizona in all of their possessions in all of their three? Cause it didn't seem like they were. So right. I thought you needed seven, seven points down 20 to zero. Yeah. And and that's not a huge, eh. the huge eh is not trying to win a game and putting it on process. Yeah. You know I'm going to spend a little bit of time on that, although that's not, you know, that's down the list in terms of my, you know, the things I didn't like um, category. But um, what were your, what were your, mm's? what were your, you know, the things you liked from yesterday? Well, there's some more. Is. Oh, well, then get to them. But, I mean, we can get to, we can get to all of them. I mean, what are the mm's? I thought Terry McLaurin was awesome in this game. Yeah. I, I thought moving him around, he was really good. I, I thought it didn't matter Patrick Peterson was on him or not. His burst coming out of his break was exceptional. His ability to run after the catch was good. I, they had to get him more involved. I could not believe on the Arizona side of things that they didn't bracket Terry. 
and say somebody else on your team is going to have to beat us. Clearly, they believed in Patrick Peterson, but I could not believe after a couple catches in the third quarter into the fourth quarter where he's making plays that they just didn't say he won't beat us. But I thought Terry McLaurin was really good. I thought they ran the ball okay well mm, in the late in the second half. Now, maybe it's because they're up, but even throughout the game early, there were some runs that Antonio Gibson looked good. McKissick looked better. Definitely. But on the AS side of it, I just don't necessarily believe that they're using Antonio Gibson to his full extent. And maybe that's because the offense isn't going to see its full potential until 2021. <laughs> yeah, he's really underselling the offense's potential for this year, which, by the way, you know this about me. I'd much prefer to hear that and have them overachieve than hear uh, how ready they are and how they're going to have one of the top rushing attacks in the NFL or, you know, what we've heard for the last 20 years, which except for Joe's years, which is a lot of, you know, bullshit, you know, bragging and, and overpromising. I actually like the fact that he's underselling everything right now. Yeah, no, I, I understand that that's the state of the NFL, but at the same time, you can't undersell and undersell to your team. Like, hey, we got ourselves down, and you know what? You guys cost yourself the game. It was you guys that, that cost yourself the game, and so now we're just not going to take timeouts, and we're going to survive this game. We don't want any more injuries moving forward. I don't want to put you guys in a spot where you're going to get hurt because you're down. Like, I didn't like that comment. Like, I just didn't want guys – they're out there to play. Uh, yeah, well, I, I'm gonna. I, I want to keep the the last two minutes and what happened there um, uh, for until I get to it because we're gonna spend some time on that because I was gotcha. not satisfied at all with the action, nor was I satisfied with the explanation. But um, but 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 we'll we'll, we'll spend more time on that in, in a little bit. But what else you got? Uh, a couple of things I liked. I, I thought. Uh, KPL was good on defense. Yeah, me too. I, th- I thought he looked like he could play this week. Last week, he was my most up-and-down player throughout the game. thought he looked good on defense. Some of the blitzes they brought with Bostic, I liked on defense. I think Del Rio can, can really put together some blitz packages and get some guys free because he did it two weeks in a row. I think Chase Young still looked really good in that game. I do. Yeah, me too. Um, it's just you look at it and some of it is you have some weaknesses tackling was a problem. Uh, it's Kyler Murray. I get that, but man, he made Troy Apke look bad a couple times. He made Landon Collins look really bad on a touchdown that got called back. That first touchdown run that got called back. He just straight out ran him. Right. Well. Landon Collins blowing a coverage early to give up the first throw to Deandre Hopkins tackling throughout missed tackles on Hopkins. I, I told you on Friday, they're going to have to tackle this team and throw a lot of balls underneath. Just, it's a good team, and Kyler Murray is going to make a lot of people look silly. He really is a tremendous football player. Yeah, I Wasn't mean. Wasn't that good? I mean, there's just. I thought he was. Uh, the, the, the second touchdown run he had, he barely even, he barely put any move on Apke, and Apke's just falling down. Yeah, Apke's struggling. They gave him, they're giving him so much credit to be so good. And I think that's a problem. That, that safety position is going to be a problem. I mean, Andy Isabella over the top. Early in the ball game, you called him on Friday. You so, said you said they got to be careful of Visabella. He didn't play much at all, if at all, last week, and he's the guy that you know you loved coming out of UMass. And if he's on the field, they better be aware of him. And they they apparently were not. I'll tell you one of the big mmms I had from the game, and this was just this wasn't in our favor. The fourth down where they went for it took Murray out 
from under center. Right. Sent him in motion behind to the right. Everyone's eyes were on Kyler Murray, and they run it back the other way. Yeah. That was a well-designed play, man. It, you know, if you're going to go for it on some fourth down <laughs> situations, let's have some fun stuff. Like you send Kyler Murray in motion, and then you run a reverse coming from the other side. It, no one saw that coming. That was great. That was a great design. Doesn't, I also, sweat, doesn't sweat have to be in contain mode there with all that action? A, he would, you would think he would. I, I mean, there were a couple read options early in the game where Sweat and Kerrigan are just chasing the back down. Like, oh, here I come. <laughs> Kyler Murray's pulling it. And you're like, Coach, here's the thing. You can't leave Kyler Murray one-on-one for a linebacker. Even if Landon plays it just right, the down safety to the side that that Murray's going to go, or KPL plays it just right, he's going to make a miss. Like you, <laughs> if I'm playing Arizona and they're running read option, I am forcing the handoff all day. Right. I'm, I'm never letting Kyler Murray run. Make him hand it off. You take one player out of the backside, and look, it might be a six-yard run, but Kyler Murray might be 50 at any second. Yeah. So that, that, to me, some of the run stuff with Kyler Murray, I thought they needed a better plan for. I mean, he's scrambling around making plays, whatever. But you're letting him get designed runs. That's tough. Yeah. What else? You um, I thought Jimmy Moreland was pretty average in this game. I, I, I think there was a third down and eight that Murray made a great back shoulder throw to DeAndre Hopkins, yeah. which – He's a he's a problem. Uh, that guy's awesome. But Jimmy Moreland's sitting there keen quarterback, and he's late on his break. And I'm thinking, it's third down, and you're basically man-on-man with Hopkins. I mean, I know he's in a zone situation there, but you're basically – he's in your spot. I'd play Hopkins. I'd just say, you know what, I, I bet he's going to throw it to him. Yeah, that's probably that's probably a good choice. What ha- What happened on that first touchdown to Hopkins where he was wide open? Well, Landon Collins is looks like he's in a quarters coverage right there, and he's just froze at the goal line. I think that Landon Collins was thinking about the play he had gotten outrun two plays before that got called back. Mm-hmm. He was like, mm, "I'm going to watch this quarterback. He is not going to outrun me. This yeah. little road, this little road runner. Yeah. Oh, balls over my head." I mean, it's amazing to see how wide open the best player uh, not named the quarterback got on that touchdown. And Collins, you know, puts his hands over his helmet like, oops, uh, I forgot him. Um, He got behind me. Well, yeah, and it's third and goal, which is unfortunate because those are the things you got to have good red zone defense. That was terrible red zone defense. It was bad red zone defense. Um, My last couple is from this game. Dwayne Haskins does not have any touch. No. And you can say that Logan Thomas dropped a couple balls. You can say that Gibson dropped one on the sideline on a wheel route. Those are not – you. It, who was it? Inman maybe went tried to catch a ball over the middle of the field high and up. And, dude, those are hard catches when the ball's coming in like a lightning bolt. Like it's, he missed Logan Thomas in the back of the end zone. Yeah, that that was the worst one. I mean, I, that that's a touchdown with just a little bit of air underneath it. You just – I feel like a lot of these, he's erring on the side of not turning the ball over. And I like that about him, that he's not turning the ball over. But there's another way to throw it. My problem when I start, when I was looking at this game again and some of the touch issues, he can't throw it with touch unless he sidearms it. So he threw a, a shallow crossing route to Sims Jr. early in the game. Yeah. 
and he's got Sims Jr. right in front of him. He's got a sidearm that ball to take something off of it. Good point. That was after the turnover. I know the player talking talking about. He that. does not have an off-speed pitch. Yeah, like he's the pitcher that has to sidearm it to throw a slider. They're like, here comes the slider. I mean, it doesn't. That is irrelevant because there's no one hitting. But I just don't see him being versatile as a thrower of the football. I see him having a fastball, and that's it. And so right now, I think that's a problem for him because you have to be able to make throws in different ways so they're catchable balls for your guys. I I didn't – a lot of the balls that hit hands, those are still really tough catches, Kev. And they're not in the position – he's not putting it on their body where they want. And I just don't think he ever sets his feet right to throw. And I I know that he looks poised back there, and I don't – I think – he feels comfortable back there, but his technique and the way he's moving his lower body is so out of place to make accurate throws throughout the game. You know, right after the turnover, um, you know, they went they went on in attack mode. They threw it to the tight end ball. It was one of those quick release plays. And then the play you're talking about, the, uh, the throw to um, uh, after the penalty to Sims, is really you, you you nailed it it's like a it's like a sidearm throw um which is uh you know uh i think it's before the turnover obviously um but sims catches it but they, he seems a little bit more comfortable i got a lot on Dwayne, and i want you to respond to it but i want you to finish up before i get started really i mean one of my last things is brandon sheriff gets hurt brandon sheriff hadn't played well in the first game although they i heard someone say that he and Morgan Moses got game balls. I thought Morgan played well, but Brandon didn't the first game. And Brandon was giving up pressures and not didn't look like he was playing well before he went out in this game. But that said, he still is your best offensive lineman. So if you have another injury there, and, and we'll see what Wes Schweitzer is going to be. But, man, you have no depth up front. Jerron Christian not good enough right now. I, I think if Dron's better, you get more out of West Martin, but that left side because of that is not good enough right now. Now all of a sudden you're going to put in another young player on the right side. I mean, the Brandon Sheriff injury could hurt these guys. And I just, in in kind of summing this whole thing up, offensively, they, they aren't there. I don't know if it's next year. I don't know if it's this year. But I also don't think they have any intermediate to deep passing game. Everything that Dwayne's completing is right in front of him. Their spot routes, their swing routes, their screen routes. I mean, and some are good. Like, you get Sims on a third and seven screen, and Sims gets a first out. Like, those are good plays, but you can't live on those plays. And right now, I don't see them showing any versatility, even play design-wise, to get big-time open looks down the field. Yeah. Um, you know, the the biggest the biggest number the the largest percentage of callers this morning on radio had an issue with Dwayne and they want to bail on Dwayne at this point and obviously t- tomorrow you'll have a film breakdown of this game and his grade um I personally disagree with bailing on him at this point first of all what do you got um secondly I think there are a lot of issues I think that this is the the nature of most young quarterbacks you know you're you're gonna have some good moments and you're gonna have some rough moments um but uh you know overall and and I'll give you in my game take some of my thoughts but Overall, did, did you know your your opinion of Dwayne yesterday was what, and your opinion of Dwayne moving forward is what? 
Well, my opinion to Dwayne, first of all, he, for whatever reason, gets better when he's down 17 points. Yeah. He doesn't lose poise. He doesn't feel like he's ever out of a game. You just got to start a game that way. Yeah. You just got to find a like, just find a way to start that way. Have someone go smack you in the face a couple times in the locker room or do some <laughs> weird thing. Do something to get yourself going early in a ball game. I do like that he can battle back. I just don't know if he's seen the intermediate part of the field right now, and I don't know if he's seen deep. But I also say I don't know if Scott Turner believes that they can get the ball down the field. And it's not just Dwayne, which is why I wouldn't bail on him right now. A lot of times you talk to a coordinator and you say, hey, let's dial some things up to attack the middle of the field between 10 and 20 yards. Well, that also means you have to have someone over the top to push safeties off, which means you need a couple seconds to throw the ball. And so there's this whole, not a ton of weapons with speed over the top, not necessarily enough time to throw the ball, so you don't really have time to push coverage. There's a lot combined here that make it tough. They're going to have to find some ways to get the ball down the field. They're going to have to find a way to get Dwayne more clean pockets, and maybe that's move him more because they didn't move him a lot in this game. Like you talked about boots and stuff. There was not a lot of that. You're right. There wasn't. They didn't they didn't find a way to change the launch point of the defensive lineman. They knew where they were coming after him at. And so they're gonna have to find ways to create that. The thing with Dwayne is you just get so worried that you can't keep missing throws. Um you just, you can't I, keep missing throws down the field. You've got the ones you take and the you, you gotta be better. Yeah. I mean, the touch thing, the footwork thing, the some games feeling the pressure and reacting to it by being able to extend the plays, and then other games, like yesterday early, he almost moved into some of the pressure, didn't have real good pocket presence or feel. And at the same time, you would admit, right, he was under siege much of the time. Um, There was not – the pass protection was a problem yesterday. Uh, And – you know, he didn't have enough time to throw. And I, I actually, part of what I was going to get into here with my game take, and we'll get to it here in a second, is I actually thought Scott Turner did a really good job in the second half of getting to the quick game and, and throwing some screens. They ran a bubble to Sims Jr. They ran a middle screen to Logan Thomas. And there were some things that I thought he ran to sort of nullify or negate the pass rush. They ran the ball a little bit better, mostly out of the gun. Um, and I, I think that it took some of the pressure off him, but we did not see any boots we didn't see him getting outside the pocket and throwing I thought some of the play action drop back was immediately rushed and I thought he had a problem with that um but uh you know I I think it's one of those things with Dwayne where the bottom line is there's a lot going on there and a lot of it's him and a lot of it isn't you know what Cooley I think there was a chance for McLaurin to bail him out on a long throw I thought that was a catchable ball down the left sideline I thought Logan Thomas had a chance on the first third down of the game to pull in a ball that wasn't super poorly thrown I thought his best throw may have been to Gibson on a route down that far right sideline that he actually you know, didn't throw with a lot of touch, but on a rope, it was actually a perfect throw in in in, in traffic. And I thought, you know, Gibson could have bailed him out and, and helped him out a little bit. And at the I st- got you, but you're talking about the first throw to Logan Thomas being a freaking rifle that barely touched his hands that he had to go out and extend right. for. And you're talking about 
a ball to Logan Tom or to Gibson that if you freeze frame it the second that it gets to his hands, sure. That's a he threw it into the bucket right there. Right. It's just he blew the back end of the bucket off. <laughs> yeah. What about the one what about the one to McLaurin deep that McLaurin who was brilliant? McLaurin McLaurin dropped that ball. That to me was his best ball of the day. Was was should that should that ball have been thrown in that spot because of a safety or w- should it have been thrown inside where maybe McLaurin has a chance to take it and and, and go? Well, you go, I can look at it again when we when we yeah. look at it, but we'll say whatever you want to say. McLaurin makes a good over the shoulder adjustment, and I think he can catch that ball. All right. Uh, what else you got? And in, in, in if you don't have anything else, I'll get to my game take, which I'm sure. Get to you... your game take. Okay. Um, before we do it, let me quickly talk about erectile dysfunction because it's never easy to talk about it coolly. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like, you know, I lost my mojo or we avoid it altogether with, with excuses like I had a long day at work or sorry, sweetheart, I'm just not feeling it. Or, you know, the game's really close. Uh, I got to watch the end of this game because I do a talk show tomorrow at 6 a.m. But with Roman, it's easy to talk about it with a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash KevinDC and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it, guys. Go to GetRoman.com slash KevinDC today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of VD treatment. That's getroman.com slash Kevin DC. Getroman.com slash Kevin DC. All right. Let me um let me start with an overarching theme, if I might, which is what we used to right, do first. back in the day. Um I wasn't really that discouraged by that loss. I mean, there are things that I was concerned with. There are things that bothered me, which we're going to get into the the Rivera end. Um, but I see a better team than the team last year. Now, that's not saying much. I, I'll concede that. But I also see a team with potential. I don't know if it's going to be realized. I don't know when it'll happen. Um, but it's a reason to pay attention more this year. And really, it's the defense more than anything else. And I'll start with the things that I liked. Um, I liked Chase Young again. Cooley, it's so obvious they got this right through two games. And I don't think it's going to be you know something that we look back on and say, oh, remember the first two games? It, it, but that was fool's gold. No, this dude's no. for real. He's so strong. He's so quick. He's got so many moves, and Cooley, his motor is nonstop. And when he tackles people, it's like he swallows them whole and just throws them. Like, he's a star. You know, um, I think it's interesting to watch him line up on both sides, left side, right side. They did that a little bit last week. You know, um, but I just – I I have a a feeling that Chase Young's going to end up in the category of things I liked – out of 16 games this year in 14 of them. I like just the overall team speed defensively is different this year. You know, the the upfront speed is obvious, you know, is obvious, but 
KPL played really well yesterday, Kevin Pierre-Lewis, and he can run. I think Bostic can run, and I said that last year, and I remember people pushing back on it. And we haven't even seen probably their fastest linebacker, Cole Holcomb, yet. So the overall team speed, especially in the front seven, is impressive, and I think they're going to have some really, really good games. I think yesterday when you're playing a team and a player like Murray – you know, it's tough to, to, to get stops on every single drive through four quarters. The 49ers, who were the NFC champions last year and had arguably the best defense in football, they ran out of gas and gave up two long drives in the fourth quarter to this guy. They're really good. Um, I thought they got pressure early. I thought they tackled well early. I think it's really hard against Murray to tackle, and that's going to be a challenge for anybody that faces the Cardinals this year. But I think that the defense, I think, had a decent day overall. It wasn't the A-plus day that they had last week. But against that team and that player, I thought they did enough, especially through the first two and a half to three quarters, to win the game if if they had gotten you know uh, more offensive production. Terry McLaurin's on the things I liked list, obviously. Uh, you'll go through it tomorrow in your offensive film breakdown, but it just seems like he gets open very easily. And he's really much better after the catch with speed, but also some some uh, you know tackle-breaking ability. Seven catches, 125 yards, and a touchdown. He was clearly uh, one of the t- two best players on the team, the, the best player offensively on the field. But like you, I thought Gibson and McKissick both played well. You know, Gibson, I mentioned to you last week, he runs a little bit upright, but you know what? He's more physical, Cooley, than I thought. You know, the, the Memphis players... If you watch that conference, you get a lot of finesse football over the years. He runs with a physical presence. He's a big dude, and he finishes runs, and it's hard to bring him down. He had 13 carries for 55 yards, and McKissick yesterday looked like the McKissick I remember from Detroit in particular. Right. Quick, decisive, you know, eight carries, 53 yards. That helped. A lot of that came in the second half. On my list of things that I liked – I thought Scott Turner, you know, I'm sure I can go back and find some quick game in the first half, but I thought he really in the second half realized we got to protect him. Ball's got to be out quickly. Um, We've got to run some screens. We've got to run the football, especially in spots where maybe they're not expecting some run. I just think that he realizes if you drop Dwayne back, you know, too too much, it's a problem. Um, and you know, especially yesterday because they got after it and they got after that offensive line uh, early. I even thought early down play action was a problem, um, but I thought Turner did a good job to change things up and, and recognize that a little bit. Uh, the other thing on my things that I liked list, I thought Ron Rivera's challenge late in the game on the 12 men on the field was a really good catch. You know, it was a third and five. They don't get it. It's it's setting up for a fourth and five. They throw the challenge flag. I'm like, what are they challenging? Um, and then he was challenging 12 men on the field, and they caught him. Um, I, I like the way they go hurry up and up-tempo a little bit, and they caught him with, with 12 men. And, you know, at that point, they he was still in the game. You know, his head was still in the game 27-9. I thought that they took advantage of it on a third and one. It went from fourth and five to third and one, and they took the shot to Sims, which was, I think, more of a drop-back play. Um the list of things that I didn't like, I'll finish up with the Rivera thing, which we can spend time on. But some of this is repetitive um, uh, based on what you said. You, you, you can't 
you can't turn the ball over like they did twice with the game right there to be in the game early. You get a pain pressure, a Collins interception, you're in the red zone, you you pick up a first down in the red zone, um, and you get um you get the the backside knock on Haskins and the fumble, which Chan- Chandler Jones uh picks up, and you've blown an opportunity to come away with points in a game that, you know, could have early on you could have put some pressure on Arizona. Then you get a big stop after that, and Sims Jr. fumbles the punt return. He was terrible yesterday as a kick returner and a punt returner. Um, the offensive line had the same issues they had last week, and I'm uh-huh. glad you I'm glad you pointed out Sheriff because I had a lot of people saying, "Well, once they lost Sheriff, I didn't uh-uh. think I didn't think he was very good when he was in there." They were better when they lost Sheriff. Well, there you go. Um, Maybe. I mean, it seemed like it. They started operating offensively, so their offense ended up being better at that moment. I don't know if Schweitzer was better or was elsewhere. This is a big weakness. I asked you at the end of last week, what's your biggest concern right now? And you said offensive line. This is the big issue right now. And this is where we're going to have to, in my opinion, we're going to have to be patient. I'm going to get to Dwayne here in more detail. But we all talked about during the offseason and during the preseason, well, they don't. we don't know that they have weapons. We think that the offensive line is going to be a problem. So how are you going to evaluate Dwayne? Well, you're going to be able to evaluate him. There's a lot of things that are obvious, like his footwork isn't good, and he's inaccurate because of that footwork, and he doesn't throw with great touch. But there are other things, too, and that's where I'll go to now, which is Dwayne. Um, he was under pressure. Uh, part of the problem yesterday, unlike, you know, if you go back to some other games where he's been under pressure, where he's handled it better, he didn't have a good feel for the pressure yesterday. I've, I've, you know, I've complimented his extend the play ability because I didn't think he had it coming out of Ohio state. And I think he had more of it last year than I thought. And I think we saw some of that last week. I thought last week he handled some of the blitz pressure. Well, especially on that Inman throw third and eight. Um, I, I do think, you know, he looked uncomfortable yesterday, and I think Turner got him on track in the second half. One of the things that I guarantee you, and I, I talked about this this morning ad nauseum, that got overlooked by a lot of people that watched this game, is that in the second half, that team had the ball four times offensively, and they scored on three of those four drives. The first drive was five plays and a punt, and then they scored on their final three drives, two touchdowns, and a field goal. So they got him into rhythm with the quick game. They ran some screens. They ran the ball better. He was feeling stuff a little bit better. There's still some throws and some accuracy issues. Um, but let's not overlook that, because this will lead into the the Rivera thing too. Let's not overlook that offensively, it's not like they were inept. They scored on three of four second-half drives. Um God, he struggles with touch throws. And the worst play of the day was the sack he took that knocked him out of field goal range, Cooley. That that was, you know, I know yeah. that sometimes when you're in the pocket and you have that immediate pressure and you've got nowhere to go with it, you're afraid of a grounding penalty. But you got to figure out a way to get out of there and, and unload the ball um, so that you can get three points out of that. That's a tough sack to take there. We talked about the receivers that potentially could have helped him out a little bit. Um, but, um, look, he's got a lot to improve on. But like I've mentioned many times before, and you said the same thing, he doesn't run and hide when things are going poorly. He hangs in there, he competes, and they put together 
some good drives in the second half. You know, I think this is one of those things where it's not going to get easier. They get Miles Garrett, Richardson, Denzel Ward, and Cleveland next week. Then they've got the Baltimore defense. You know, it's not going to get easier. But um, and and by the way, I'm not defending him here, um, which some of you have accused me of, which is fine. I I think there's something there. I'm not guaranteeing that it will be revealed and it will come to, you know, and he'll end up being the guy or even a guy. But I want to see more. I don't I this is his second start with a new coaching staff in the most unique of off seasons of all time. It's only his ninth start overall. There's going to be some ups and downs with Dwayne, you know, and some of you can't handle that. Well, you know, grow a pair, you know, and if you can't take the day off, take your wife or girlfriend antiquing or to the movies, you know, or get out on your bike (laughs) and go for a ride and we'll keep you posted from the podcast. But you're going to have with a young quarterback more times than not, especially with new coaching staff, the second in less than a year. By the way, he went through two head coaches last year, um, and he's on this one this year. There are going to be some moments that aren't going to look pretty, and there are going to be some moments where you're like, eh, maybe he can do it. I I think we got to give it more time. Um, the secondary, I thought. Before yeah. you move on, yes, Dwayne, really yes. quick, please. I, I missed what I thought was one of the worst plays of the game, not just on Dwayne, but offense in general. The first drive of the third quarter. Yeah, they end up getting a good play to Terry McLaurin on a first down, and Dwayne scrambles on a second down, and you get a third and two, and Cam Sims ended up getting an OPI right. on a pick. Yeah. Which was egregious. It was all you got to do is run through his shoulder. Don't put your hands on him. Yeah, it's, he did. It was terrible. You, you can't coach that as a pick. But Dwayne missed that throw to Inman badly. <laughs> badly. You can't like that's the thing that concerns me the most is missing throws directly in front of his face. That was an easy throw. And that was not even close. Yeah. You're... That 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 those are the plays that are scary. It's. So for me, it's not necessarily always the presence. It's not necessarily the poise, his ability to overcome. I think he has some of the mental aspects of it that you need. It's you got to make throws. Like you, if I, if that man, if that's no no penalty call, we're gonna look at that and go, oh my god. There was there was an there was another one where. Um, he threw it sort of at the feet too, or maybe that was from last week. I, I I know the play you're talking about. It was it it was terrible, and it was a b- terrible penalty by Sims. I mean, come on, dude, seriously. Come on, man. I mean that that that's just way too obvious. But yeah, the throw was terrible. I actually it, it almost seemed like Inman was surprised, and he shouldn't have been because he was the one being screened for. Um, there was a couple of times when I was playing it with Donovan. And I, I really like Donovan McNabb. I, I just, it wasn't a good year. There was, I, I'll never forget this. I, I could actually pull this up on, on film and tweet it out. I ran a option or a choice route down on, on the, in the red zone at about the seven yard line. I'm wide in and it's walking touchdown and the ball one hops to me. I'm the one reading it one hops on a five yard out route. <laughs> You're like, I, I literally, you can pull it on film. I put my hands out at my side, like, what the fuck? The fuck is going on here? <laughs> Like there were times when I had six yard outbreaking routes and the balls 
coming at me like 100 miles an hour. There was one on a, a Monday night game against Philadelphia where we got smoked. I'll never forget this. In, in the rain, we're down whatever we're down, 20-plus points. And I run a five-yard out route to soft coverage, and it's like a 240-mile-an-hour fastball. Yeah. Like, those are plays, though, that as the season wanes on, players start looking at it like, could you just get the ball in my hands? Yeah, I mean, I'm watching this play again, and this is him on a little bit of a rollout. It's third and two. It's the play, you know, the pick play, and the third and two with the guy who's getting picked for, you know, coming into the clear towards the sideline, and he just guns it over his head. It's it's a terrible throw. It's your classic West Coast Joe Montana to Jerry Rice third right. down play. It's a terrible it's a, throw. Bill Walsh's speed right, their sprint right with a quick flat. And you, and you're right. Had that not been um, penalized, it would have been a bigger play in the game, and we would have been like, "Oh my God, are you serious?" I remember in the moment thinking, you know, maybe there maybe there was an off a def- defensive hold there, but usually in that on that play, it's going to be an offensive uh, pass interference. I knew right the second it um, came out, but. Uh, but yeah, uh, the the other two things on my things I didn't like list um, before we get to the Rivera stuff is the secondary. You know, they obviously had some coverage mix-ups. I also think you know it's really. Uh, I think Murray's like the kind of guy that's just going to create nightmares because he's going to buy so much time. And by the way, Cooley, he's got a gun. He's got a really strong arm. Like to me, I'm watching him yesterday, and we didn't see a lot of him last year. I'm watching him, and I'm thinking he's Vic. He's Jackson, but he's also Mahomes. Like the way he can throw the ball with great strength and and, and it, on the run. And I, you know, how many of those plays? And this is where I thought the defense had a good, a decent day. How many plays was he running around and he couldn't find anybody, and he just threw it away as he was approaching the sideline? Like that's good defense. Um, but he's spectacular. Um, the, the the last thing, the special teams killed him all day. Uh, Sims Jr. was just horrible on returns. He uh-huh. had the, the, the devastating fumble, but they opened the game from their own eight-yard line because he got a bad return and there was a penalty. Um, he had another return from three yards deep in the end zone to the 17. He had another return out to the 16. He averaged on kickoff returns, three kickoff returns, he averaged 14 yards per return. Now, Maybe the blocking wasn't there. That's possible, um, but you know the fumbled punt was was a killer, and they need better special teams play from him because I love him on offense and I think they need to get him the ball more on offense. But he's not impressed as a punt or kickoff returner quite yet. He has. It's funny because I n- I never do this when I say Redskins win if on Friday, and it, I just said Arizona is always good on special teams. Can't lose the game with big plays on special teams. Now I think I noted getting blocked punts and stuff, but a fumble is the same deal. You can't give up a huge play on special teams. No, you can't. All right, let's get to Rivera tapping out at the end. Um, and then the explanation for those that missed it, he said he didn't want – he said the game wasn't winnable and he didn't want his players to get hurt. Um, the action was bad. The explanation was completely off. Um, exposing his players to injuries, really, Ron? Well, then why on the last play of the game with 25 seconds left did you line up and run a play? Why didn't you take a kneel, a kneel down, and get off the field? 
If if you were really concerned about injuries, then that final play run with 25 seconds left should have been a kneel down because it's interesting. They hand the ball off to Gibson, and there's a big pile up on top of Ruye. I mean, Ruye could have been hurt on that last play. Would have been better off seeing him throw the football than run that into a pile of people. Um, it's a, it's an unsatisfactory answer. Look. Uh, there's a honeymoon period here, and obviously, more than anything, I am rooting for old Coach Ron's health more than anything else. But if he thinks he had issues in Charlotte where, where there were complaints about clock management and game management with Rivera, it was one of the criticisms of him in Charlotte. You can't do that, Coach, in this town and expect people not to know what you should have done. You know, a culture change includes not tapping out at the end of a game where there's at least a prayer. Were they going to win that game? Most likely not. I understand that. We just went through six years of idiotic clock management and game management, okay? Uh, We're going to criticize. We're not going to let this go. Uh, If it happens again, I'm going to be really pissed off. But when you're down 30 to 15 with two minutes to go, all right, it's a two-score game potentially, and your offense has scored on three straight drives. It's the best your offense has looked all day, maybe even including last week. It has driven the ball three times and scored three times. You had to call timeouts actually before the two-minute warning, but after the two-minute warning, if you if you use two timeouts, you get the ball back with about a minute 45 and a timeout left down 30 to 15, okay? That is a touchdown even if you get it with 22 seconds left and you kick and it's 30 to 22. Hey, let's line up and do what Dallas did. Let's see if we can get an onside kick. You know, are we going to get the onside kick? About a 1 in 10 you know, probability. So you're going to have to recover the onside kick. But you do not tap out at the end of a two-score game. You bow out when you're getting your ass kicked and you've been blown out and there's literally no chance to win the game. You don't do that there. I, I'm sure I've seen a coach do that before. I personally think he got confused on the score. I think the injury thing was uh, was bullshit after he no realized, okay, fine. Whatever happened, when's the last time 30-15 to 15, with your offense having scored on its previous three drives, have you seen a coach completely pull the plug on a game? I, I told you last night Jay got killed for it a couple years ago. Yeah, he did in that in that Charger game. Well, but in that game, yeah. if the context of that was at one point, he asked Kirk what he liked in the second half, and Kirk said screens. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's perfect timing, giving how bad my boy was yesterday. But, but you do agree. Like Kirk, right? When your quarterback says, you know, I, I really think screens. <laughs> yeah, do you remember? Your, your play caller goes, I, I can't do what, what do you want me to do? My yeah. quarterback is completely lost track of where he's at in this game. Coach I mean coach and quarterback were not getting along late in twenty seventeen. They were not. Hey, we're down we're down twenty one. What do you like here? Um dive. Duo, I think we go duo. Maybe we break one. Like <laughs> no, I, I, what I'm talking about is, you know, they're playing quarters coverage here. What do you think you can get over the top? Like what safety can you manipulate? Like, yeah. Yeah. That there was context to that game. I don't know in this one. Also, I thought in terms of the score and the game getting away at, the, at late, I, I this is an interesting call. You and I have talked about this a few times. 
but you're down 27-15 and you choose to go for two. At one point, you're going to have to get the two point. You're going to have to score two touchdowns and you're going to have to get the two point to make it a 10-point game. I don't think you go for it until you score the second touchdown because if you're only down 11, it's a touchdown field goal. Right. It well, makes it more relevant to continue in that game to not have to tap out. I mean, now down 12, you're saying down 27, 15, you're saying, okay, we have to have two touchdowns. How much time do we have possession wise to get stops, get two touchdowns? I mean, it really didn't matter because Kingsbury did a heck of a job when with Arizona up 27, 15, throwing the ball down the field. That was the worst defensive drive when they gave up three points after the last Washington score. Yeah. They just got gashed through the air. But it, at that moment, I think down 11 is better than down 12. I don't have I, I, I don't have a problem with your logic. I mean the 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 argument would be it better it's better to know now that you're going to need two touchdowns um than later. But I I always think about extending the game, right? So you know, if you because extending the game also puts a little bit more pressure on the opponent as well. If they see 27 16, they know 8 and 3. Instead of 27 15, uh, we're up 12 and they need two touchdowns. It should have had no bearing on how he handled the final, you know, few minutes of that game. It, it should, it shouldn't have, but it does because it makes the possession longer. And I'll just give you my one argument to this. And this goes back to something that you say all the time let's say you have the ball on offense with anywhere between a minute and two minutes and you're down 11 or down 10. You, you know you're going to have to get an onside kick. You can kick a 50-yard field goal, not waste a bunch of, of time, course. and then be down eight. If you get the onside kick, then you have a chance to go down and score. It's a one-score game down eight. You know what? Whereas if you have to force it down the field for two touchdown Two touchdown drives, they can play so soft on defense. Do you, so do you it know allows what? you Honestly, the opportunity you just, you just to get gave, the three. You just gave the answer. Your answer is 100% right. It's 100% right. And that's why you kick at 27 to 9 to get it to 27 16. Now, the first one you go for because you're down 24, you're in the fourth quarter, and you're thinking your best chance, uh, which is a long shot, is three touchdowns, three two point conversions to Correct. tie. The first one I'm good with. But the second one, you just gave the right answer, which is if it's 16 and you do get the ball back and it's 40 seconds to go and you're in field goal range and you just picked up a penalty and knocked you I mean you can just put the field goal team out there so you have you, you've you've created a 27-19 and now you've really got a, a legit shot if you can get an onside kick I'm with you you're 100% no, right there, there's that and then I've, I've talked about it the first field goal look you're down three scores I the explanation of I didn't want to get shut out to me is not the, the he, proper explanation he, he didn't say that did he yeah, he did. He said we didn't want to get shut out. Okay, we hadn't uh, scored, and we no one wants to get shut out. I, I, that's really interesting. That is, uh, I don't like that at all. I actually, so I think there, I did not down have, three scores. You, you just you try to score. You try to get it in the end zone on fourth down. You got two plays on third and seven to know we got to get it. We got to get seven yards here to to score seven points, so we have a chance to not be down two scores. I mean, you were still down two scores, twenty to. Three. I didn't. So, so let me just tell you why I didn't have a problem with the fourth and goal kick. First of all, what were there left? You didn't think three. you were going to get it in. No, I did not think <laughs> that's they were it. Gonna, I mean, that that would be yeah. the answer. And and the the truth of the matter is, in watching this game, even though maybe it doesn't make sense to everybody, but I always felt like the defense was capable of making some plays. 
either to get off the field or making a big play to, to, to force a turnover. And it was fourth and goal from the six, and you were still in the third quarter with, I don't know, three, four minutes left. It was something like that, three or four minutes left. And I actually think that if I had been uh, the decision maker there, I would have kicked the field goal. If it's fourth and goal at the two, fourth and goal at the one, definitely. Fourth and goal from the six where your quarterback just airmailed a touch pass that would have been a touchdown. Um, I don't think I'm going to get the fourth and six. And I think my chances of scoring, and by the way, it also lifts my defense up a little bit to say, all right, we're on the board. If we can get a quick three and, three and out, you know, or even a turnover, we can get back into this game and we can cut it to a two-score game. I, I, I didn't have a problem with that. I, I guess lo- my suggestion is not necessarily the fourth and seven. It's trying to understand how to get two plays. And as a play caller, knowing you could run it on third and I seven gotcha. and get it to okay. fourth and four. Yeah, I got you. Although they had the right play on third and goal. The quarterback just didn't execute. Um, true. So I... I, I totally agree with you on the twenty-seven fifteen because of the logic. It just put it's, it puts a little bit more pressure on the opponent, and it allows you to opt for the field goal. You know, if you're getting down to, you're not going to have a chance for two possessions if you have to score a touchdown on the first, and you can just send your field goal team out there and kick the field goal with twenty-five seconds left, so you have at least a prayer. Um, but bottom line is. Um, Ron Rivera failed. The action was wrong. Um, the explanation wasn't uh, wasn't a good one. You know, you could even take it to another degree. You could say if that was really in his mind, then he should have taken his defensive starters out of the game on the Cardinals' final drive before sure. they they kicked the field goal, and he didn't. He had all of his, you know, he had his his starters out there. I know that you can't replace everybody, but you could have come in with more players that hadn't played. And and you know, I'm watching right now. You know, there are four minutes left. Chase Young's on the field. Bostic's on the field. Everybody's on the field. So if that were really the issue, then he should have taken his defensive players off the field because they were the ones that were at that point gassed. They were the ones that actually probably had a higher probability of injury than the offense who had just scored and gone up. Up and down the field three times. That's the part yeah, you, of it. You could have really claimed the process. We wanted to get our young players an opportunity to play. Yeah. You know, and you know what? I would have been upset because I would have said, you know, it's 27 15, coach. If you hold them to a field goal here, it's a two score game. And if he had said, nope, my mindset is on the future, and I, I think our defense was gassed, and I was afraid that we, we could end up with some more injuries here. I'm, I, I'm, this is a long haul thing. I would have respected the answer more if he had actually done something that backed up his assertion of why he tapped out, that he was concerned about injury. But he didn't do it on defense, and he didn't do it with one play and 25 seconds left. He lines up in shotgun and hands the ball off to Gibson, and there's a big pileup on old poor Chase Ruye. I mean, that was not the – if you're really – if that's the reason you're doing it, you, you've already tapped out. You've already conceded the game by not using your timeouts. Take a, take a knee and get off the field. And then tell everybody, just didn't I thought that the the long shot opportunity of, of winning that game wasn't worth a potential devastating injury to our players who are gassed on defense and, and gassed on offense. I would have felt I would have respected it more, but he didn't do anything to actually prove that that was in his mind in the moment. Correct. I wanted to mention um, a couple of other things about the game, and I'll do so right after this word from Indochino. Hi, this is Paul Tenorio from The Athletic. 
When I buy dress shirts off the rack, I tend to end up with shirts that drape off my broader shoulders and look boxy on me. Just the other day on vacation, we took a family photo, and the shirt I wore just looked way too big and wide. It was amazing how much better the photo looked when I switched into my new Indochino shirt. My wife and I had taken my measurements at home on Indochino.com and sent them in, and my new shirt emphasizes my shoulders, but cuts in so much better across my chest and stomach. I looked and felt way more confident and stylish. With Indochino, you can get custom-fitted suits, coats, shirts, and casual wear at surprisingly affordable prices, and you can customize everything from the fabric to the lining and the lapel shape, even add a monogram. The best part, Indochino's suits start at just $299 with all customizations included, and it's super easy to order and get it shipped fast no matter where you live. So go visit one of the Indochino showrooms across North America, or do what I did. Book a virtual appointment and shop online at Indochino.com. And right now, you'll get $30 off any purchase of $399 or more when you enter code ATHLETIC at checkout. That's Indochino.com, promo code ATHLETIC. A few more Cooley uh, observations real quickly, um, and then uh, we can wrap it up and move on to some of the games from yesterday. Um, just back to Kyler Murray for a moment. Um, I, you talked about Friday. You know, one of the things you said you were curious as to why they were seven point favorites, and then you watched the tape and you realized why they were seven point favorites. They're um, better. They're, they're just better. Um, but my question is, you know, Russell Wilson right now is off to probably the MVP start of the year. I don't know. They're, they're In two games, you're always going to have a lot of people, Lamar Jackson, Pat Mahomes, Russell Wilson, but Kyler Murray's in the conversation here. And they have, they, they've got legit weapons, legit weapons. Like I, that division is so good, but right now, like Arizona to me is, they went to San Francisco and wore out the 49ers. Like, they have a chance, by the way, listen to their schedule upcoming. Lions, Panthers, Jets. Like, they have a legit opportunity with that last – is it a last-place schedule? I don't even know if it's a last-place schedule. Maybe the Rams have the last-place schedule. Um, but they've got a chance to start off 5-0 and with Murray. Like, how good do you think this team is, like, relative to the rest of the NFC, but really specific to their division with the Rams – Seahawks, Cardinals, all two and zero, and the 49ers at one and one. I think that they are a very good football team. I think that they're a potential playoff team, and if they are a playoff team, that depending on the way Kyler Murray plays, they have the ability to beat almost anybody. I don't think that they're one of the top defenses in the league. I think they have some true defensive talent. I, I think that they're going to shut a lot of people down down the field. Peterson and Byron Murphy and Buda Baker and a lot of their secondary is, is excellent. Um, but I think that there'll be some games where they give up 30 points against good offensive teams, teams that can really move it against them. Uh, it, to me, it's going to be, does Murray handle the football? Cause he can turn it over. Yeah. And does he come through in big play situations? It, it's almost, they remind me a lot of early Seattle the, the way that Russell Wilson operated, where he can make every throw. Doesn't he? It, doesn't he have better arm strength? That's hard to say. I, I I think Russell Wilson has great arm strength. I will say this though, you know, Kyler Murray can 
he can overthrow some balls. He overthrew three or four balls right. in that game where he had wide open receivers. He can miss throws as well. With tu- with, but with without touch. Wilson It is Wilson's it is funny though. Touch. One of the other notes that I had written down from the game and this was later in the night after watching a lot of the Kansas City game again after watching Seattle play it, man if you if your kids a quarterback baseball or other sports are just the best thing in the world for them like that's the thing that I think a lot of young that Dwayne might lack is did he play any other sports right that's that's maybe the thing with some of his touch throws he's only thrown a football one way technique technique pure over the top as a quarterback and he's always those young players are always taught to throw the ball hard and, and Murray and Holmes and Wilson can make every throw with every arm angle and they know when to put touch on the ball and they know how to put touch on the ball. It, I, I mean, it's just, it'll be interesting, you know, as people play less sports, if that continues that way, if you see guys that are so single tracked in the way they do things. And, and for me watching these baseball players play quarterback, it is clearly an advantage. Well, they're also basketball players, you know, in the case of, you know, Mahomes. And uh, it's, it's, it's so true. It is so true. And we've gotten away from that over the last 15, 20 years. I, I saw it, you know, as a coach, you know, as a, as a youth coach and with boys playing sports. You know, those, those families, those parents that were so singly focused on one sport and becoming, you know, turning that sport into a year-round thing, man – there is so much to gain by playing multiple sports, so much to gain, not to mention the fact that for the kid, probably more times than not, it's more fun um, than being, you know, than working out while you could be playing a baseball game with your friends on a team for the school, you know, or in uh, basketball. And I, I, I think, you know, I think basketball athletes have always translated so well um, to football and certainly the baseball, the slide. I mean, look, We've, we've said it about RG3 a lot. Like, RG3 was like a track guy, not an other sport guy. You could see it. He didn't have vision. He didn't have the peripheral, you know, feel. Um, he had straight line speed. Murray's like Vic. Murray's like Wilson. Murray's like Mahomes. Um, it, it, he is tiny, though, Cooley. And they didn't – like, your, your suggestion of, like, putting, you know, a big hit on him, even if it costs you 15 yards – I don't even know if there were many opportunities. I guess on a couple of those plays towards the sideline where he threw it away at the last second, I guess you could have really leveled him if you'd wanted to. Um, but uh, he's he's something else. I think that team's really dangerous. Yeah, I, I do think they're really dangerous. I don't think top to bottom they're the best team in the NFC. But it goes back to the – I don't know. It goes back to 2012 when when you watch Washington, when you watch Seattle, when you watch San Francisco. They could beat anybody on any given day because Murray on a third and 13 in a critical spot might scramble for a 55 yard touchdown. And you can't you can't adjust to that. That's not something that you can handle defensively. No, you, you can't. That's that's that really is the. The point there, like there are only a couple of guys, like there are dual threat guys, and then there are guys at that position that have this level of speed where they can drop back and then they can run 50 yards for a touchdown. Like that's what this guy does. By the way, I want to see what... what, And keep in mind while you're seeing, 
that it makes a big difference when DeAndre Hopkins is over there. Larry Fitzgerald's catching seven of seven targets. Christian Kirk's a good player. Isabella can make plays at any time. And so you can't just say, let's spy the quarterback. You're going to get waxed by Hopkins. Right. You're going to get waxed down the field to, to receivers. You're going to get matchups with Larry Fitzgerald as the number three on a three-man side in the slot against Bostick in a third down where Bostick's kind of got him in his zone. And he, and he all, here's Larry. Like, that's a mismatch all day. You're going to get matchups left and right. And that's one thing that Robert didn't necessarily have in 2012. I mean, he had Pierre, but uh, he had to make so many of those plays. And Murray's got matchups. And they got a, and Kenyon Drake can run the ball. It's They are a problem on offense. I don't know if they're good enough defensively especially if they were to have one injury on the outside in their secondary, which you never count on, but you never know. I don't know if, if all around they're good enough on the back end to not give up enough plays that they end up having to make Murray press a little bit. But they, they look like a team to me that'll win 10 ball games. Yeah, to me too. And I, I think like all of these teams that have that explosive ability offensively, it's always been this, that your best defense can be your offense and – you know, if you can control the ball, if you can run the ball, if you can score, you know, offensively, then, you know, you constantly put the pressure on on a guy like that to to make every drive count and every drive matter. And and Washington didn't do that yesterday. They had a chance to do it early. You know, they they got the turnover in a seven nothing game. They got this stop in a seven nothing game after the after they turned it back. Um, but then they turned it over again, and that was really, really crushing because I actually think that minus the turnovers, the two turnovers in the first half, I think that this is a game, I'm not going to say that they win, but it's a completely different game. Without those two turnovers, you know, your 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 halftime score more likely than not isn't 20 to nothing. You know, it may be something like 13 to 6 or 13 to 3 or, you know, 13 to 10 maybe. Who knows? Um but you, you can't this team is not a team that's going to be able to turn the ball over twice and not get a bunch of them back, which I do think they're going to have the potential to do this year. I think one of the things about this defense with the speed, especially up front with the pass rush pressure, you know, we're going to see some turnovers this year. And it's been a while since we've seen a defense legitimately force turnovers and big and have big plays. I think you're going to have that. I think we're going to have more short field opportunities. You know, I think that they can mess up Mayfield a little bit next week. I think one of the other things that came out of yesterday's game is you know, even though Arizona, um, I guess, had some success running the ball with Drake, I mean, he had 86 yards on 20 carries, uh, the, the real damage came from Murray. Like, I think without the running quarterback, you have a chance to be a pretty good run-stopping team. I think I see that from this group. But anyway, um, that's it on this game, unless you've got a final thought. Just wasn't a wasn't a good ball game, but I told you Friday this was a real challenge. This isn't an Arizona team that you're going to play that Alex Smith played a right. couple years ago. Uh, it, it, it wasn't a good ball game. I'm not going to take it and say this is this is the end of the year. They can't beat anybody. Arizona was was a better football team, and I told you it was a bad. I thought it was a bad matchup for Washington. I did. I, I thought it, the way they played defense was the opposite of complementing what Washington. Washington could do on offense. And so, yeah, I'm also not punting on Dwayne Haskins. I do have true concerns 
But at this point, I'm not playing Kyle Allen and I'm not playing Alex Smith. I'm finding out through 16 games if I'm drafting another quarterback next year. I'm with you on that's, that. That's that's what I'm doing. I'm finding out if if next year it's it's another quarterback. And then one other side note that I've, I've thought about with Dwayne. Look, you know that I was with you. I was critical of Dwayne coming out of Ohio State. He didn't play a ton in college. He had a heck of a year, his senior year, but a lot of that was on underneath throws where better receivers – made plays against weaker defenders. And there was so much run after the catch. Right. I, I, in looking at this, and also in drafting Dwayne, whoever drafted him, however they drafted him, I think we all know that. But the process to that plan was that Alex Smith was going to be your starter for at least two more years. Dwayne, to me, was a guy that needed those two years. He, he was well, a guy a that I... You drafted Dwayne after you thought Alex Smith was never going to play again. Yeah, you're right. You're right yeah. about that. Well... The person that drafted him didn't think Alex Smith was never going to play again. <laughs> the person that drafted him. Uh, by the way, that person but that, but that and his said, wife. Dwayne, to me, was a guy that needed two years yeah. or three years. And he was a guy that would continue to learn, develop, watch how other quarterbacks do it, understand offense, understand language. Now, maybe that wasn't best suited for him mentally. You never know. But to me, personally, he needed a little bit of time to develop. Sure. And, and so – if it's a bad year, he's he is getting that time to develop. You're just going to have to see some more strides this year. Other than man, he's he he stays alive and fights in games when they're down 20 points. No, I hear you on that. That that'll get and old. So, that'll get old after a while. I'm with you. So I I mean, even if it's not the best year and they were to draft someone, I wouldn't see it as the end for Dwayne Haskins. I just I want to see what he's got with Scott Turner. As the receivers start to develop for him in this offense, can they find some playmakers? Can they understand what people are doing and what is he? Because you'll, you should know at the end of this year. You do. You will know. You, you will know at the end of this year if he's your guy. I know. You know what? I think that that's true. But I think that those that will say you aren't going to know are going to point to the fact that the offensive line is a train wreck. Look, you know, one of the things I do think we're discovering a little bit through two games, I, I think their weapons, like they're not totally void of any weapons. Terry McLaurin's a weapon. Um, I think McKissick and, and Gibson are going to be good enough and 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 weapons. Um, Sims Jr. is a weapon. So I don't think that the argument on skill position players is going to hold much weight, you know, by the time we get to the end of the year, because I think they actually do have a few weapons. But the offensive line is a train wreck. It is really a problem. Um, and I, you know, this is one of those things. And, you know, somebody reminded me this morning uh, on the air. They said, remember when Cooley would say about Griffin that sometimes it's not the offensive line, it's the quarterback. Well, in this case, haven't we seen that a lot of it is the offensive line? My answer was and much more so than with RG3, who was going backwards and didn't know what a pocket looked like and was miking the, you know, was calling out the wrong middle linebacker, the wrong mic backer, and really didn't have a clue as to what was going on. Um, and by the way, didn't want to play the way the coaching staff felt it was best for him to play. So there was a lot of shit going on during that. I, I don't see, I mean, I guess Rivera could run out of patience or Scott Turner could run out of patience. I think, by the way, Cooley, as a total aside, um, I, and I just checked it again, I'm glad that he hasn't tweeted 
at all. I'm glad he didn't tweet something that would have he would have regretted. Although I don't know that he would have regretted it. I think it's you lay low and you just go to work. And they're going to give you they're going to give you next week. And I hope they give him 16 games. But I guess there is so, at some point they could say, you know, it would be one of those conversations where you know you might say, look. Um, He's calling out the wrong Mike linebacker. Sure. He's, he's not giving the guys a chance to truly succeed, so they got to go in another direction. If it gets to that point, that's one thing. But the physical stuff that we're seeing, I think we got to continue to just see what you know if he can progress. I'm with you. I'm right, with you. Let's. The biggest plays and the clutch moments. It's time, time to, to go around the NFL. All right, Around the NFL brought to you today by MyBookie. All right, winning season has returned at MyBookie. Winning season means doubling your first deposit as well. If you use my promo code KevinDC, that's K-E-V-I-N-D-C, MyBookie will double your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free play designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. Bet with the best this NFL season for your chance to win big. Again, my promo code is KevinDC. And they will double your first deposit up to a thousand dollars. Your winning season begins today only at my bookie. Well, uh, your winning season doesn't begin, uh, didn't begin last week or this week with the smell test. Uh, the smell test is off to probably the worst start uh, in many years. It finished with the worst finish in many years last year. There's plenty of time, guys. It's only week three. Um, uh, it's only week two in the NFL, and college football really doesn't start until this coming weekend when the SEC and the Big 12 get into full-fledged action. And you get some big-time uh, college football. Finally, this coming Saturday, Cooley will feel more like college football. But your your lock of the week, uh, you're gonna you're gonna sit here and tell me that because it was Justin Herbert instead of Tyrod Taylor that you wouldn't have given out the Chiefs. That's fine, um, but I think you got to live with it. Sorry. I think you got to live with the pick. We can't predict injuries on Friday. You just sometimes they break your way. What if Pat Mahomes uh, had been out? You wouldn't have taken it back. What I said to you was, you live with your Friday lines. Yeah. Since since you've begun the smell test, it doesn't mean that on Sunday that you would continue that bet or you wouldn't hedge against that bet in some way, shape, or form. Right. So you gave up. The yeah, I, I thought the Chiefs were a lock. They, I mean, Herbert played awesome yeah, in did. this ball game, Kevin. I mean, I thought Herbert was absolutely awesome in this game. Ends up 22 of 33, 311 yards, touchdown and a pick, controlled the game, managed the game. It was fun because that you couldn't hear. I mean, there was no fan noise at all in Los Angeles. And so you could hear Herbert at the line of scrimmage managing this ball game. I thought he did really good. And there were criticisms of him early, not being loud enough not being in control enough at the line of scrimmage. I didn't see that at all. So I was really impressed by Herbert. Keenan Allen's a good player. Hunter Henry's awesome. It's just Kansas City, look, they're so hard to beat. They were so, so hard to beat. Um, I thought it was interesting how well I thought that the Chargers they didn't go the for football. it. The, Char- the Chargers didn't go for it on a fourth down in overtime and I thought they had to go for it on a fourth down in overtime it's like a fourth and two or something at midfield and they didn't go for it and Tony Romo's calling the game fourth and one at their own 34. that's you cannot best case you're getting one more possession to win that game not tie the game and it's Patrick Mahomes walking out on the other side of the field 
Patrick Mahomes, who, who had scored on the last couple possessions of the game. They did a good job shutting him down early. I know you're betting on that defense, but if anyone watched that game, Joey Bosa was so tired in the overtime session that he was out for more than half of the plays. Mm. So you're betting on a defense where your best player, who played exceptionally well, is so exhausted that he's taking a knee for four of the plays. You had to go for it. Young quarterback or not, there's no chance in the world. To me, that was one of the worst calls of the day. Anthony Lynn not going for it there to give Patrick Mahomes the ball back. Wow. You know, I was watching that game. Uh, Obviously, the Washington game had ended. Um, And it was was a game, just so you know, I actually bet the Chargers. And I was sick that I did not put them out as a smell test pick. I should have. Um, as I should have put out Indy as well um, yesterday because they were they seemed like a lot. There was sharp money, though, on KC, and there was sharp money in Minnesota. Um, but I did end up betting the Chargers um, late. And, um, and so I ha- but I also had them on the money line um, uh, as well. In fact, I'm going to tell you right now what the price was uh, because I had them. I, I, di- I took all the big underdogs yesterday on the money, on the money line, Washington included. Because it's sort of a strategy that I think you know can work a little bit. Um, uh, oh, did I get? Yes, yesterday was not a good day. Well, uh, was it for me either? But I will, I will tell you this: in uh, betting against the Chargers, Chargers I did the were plus three. I was betting, I was betting against Tyrod Taylor. I know you were. The Chargers were plus three twenty on the money line. Um, they were plus eight and a half. They went off of plus eight and a half. So I got them at the plus eight and a half, which was good. Um, it would have been really, really nice had I hit them on the money line as well. Um, But uh, I did not feel watching it, having something in it, that they – it's so funny. I did not think that they were going to make the fourth and one. Uh, I thought that they came out a little bit tentative on that drive, um, and they – I didn't think they'd get it. I thought fourth and one, the Chiefs had all the momentum, and I think they needed, needed to punt it. And needed to pin him deep because the truth is, during the course of the game, the Charger defense had played well. Now, to your point, if the context was the defense and the best player, Joey Bosa, was gassed, okay, I'm with you on that. It's a fourth and one, but if you miss, it's game over right there. It's over, especially with Butker. Old Butker, he kicked two 58-yarders, you know, so... I didn't feel I mean, like watching it in that moment. I thought, shit, you got to punt it, and it, you may never see it again. I understand that. Um, but, you know, the funny thing about that drive, um, they had multiple third downs that they had to convert. Like, it wasn't like they went right down easily, right down the field. They had a fourth down that they, they converted. They went for a fourth down at the Chargers' 46-yard line and got um, – they ran a power play on a fourth and one. I mean, I'm just sitting here saying, like, on the on the Chargers side of it, man, you, 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 that drive wasn't as tentative as you think. It, it was a three and out. On second down, Herbert checked them into a run play, and they only get two yards. And then he ends up hitting Williams for six, about a yard short. Yeah of the first down sticks, and it's fourth and one. Yeah, I thought he actually got a good spot on that to get to fourth and one. I thought he really... I thought caught it like one and a half, two. To me, that was a no-brainer. No, I will say this. I'll bet you 30 out of 32 teams go for that against Kansas City. Um, you're probably right. The, the, the difference in that game yesterday is they actually, for pretty much three quarters, had really, really been very good defensively against the Chiefs. 
You know, yeah, that's I mean, re- that's that's terrific. But the last <laughs> the last five possessions for the. <laughs> Or yeah. four possessions, field goal, touchdown, field goal, field goal. They scored on the last four possessions. I, the, I, the momentum was all in the Chiefs' offensive favor. I understand that. I understand that. How many times do you see the Chiefs punter punt five times in a game? Um, so, Not very many times. And by the way, to, to end it, I was watching it with my daughter. Yeah. Buck, Butker made a 53-yarder, and there was a false start on right. Kansas City. He then makes a 58-yarder where Lynn gets a timeout right before the right. ball snap. And so then he kicks his third in a row over 50 yards that goes through the goalpost. Another 58-yarder. Like, how good is Buck? He's, he's got to be the special teams player of the week. Oh, my God. I mean, you know, he missed an extra And he point. hit another 58-yarder early yes. in the game. He hit, he hit two 58-yarders in the ballgame. He tied Nick Lowry, um, the longtime kicker for the Chiefs in the 80s into the 90s, a local product, a St. Albans High School graduate from the District of Columbia. Nick Lowry held the franchise record um, with a 58-yard field goal, and Butker tied it twice in the same game. Like, it's really – look, we're, we've seen in the age of, of, you know, indoor stadiums and better grass and better turf and the whole thing, we've seen the the 58-yard field goal become not that, you know, um, unusual anymore. I mean, the 59-60-yard the, the field goal, not as sure. unusual. I mean, but to kick two 58-yarders in the same game, pretty damn impressive. Um, I'm counting this three. <laughs> I mean, well, then add the 53-yarder to it. Um you know what was funny about that is it was a fourth and one at the 35 before the you know the 53 yarder became the 58 yarder. I wonder if Andy Reid even thought for a moment about going for it. Could have you know? Well, if it wasn't if it wasn't Butker, he would have. Yeah, if it wasn't old Butker, he would have. Um, uh, the, the the Chargers, you know, defensively, there might They're be something. Good. They there might be something there to them defensively. I mean, we've known that you know Bosa and um, and Ingram. And a lot of, you know, they added Kenny, Kenneth Murray Jr., who, by the way, in just his second game as a rookie linebacker out of Oklahoma, everybody loved Murray's leadership and, and maturity. He's played really well in his first two games. Um, Desmond King, I've, I've loved him. I've, I like him as a punt returner, too. Anyway. They um, added Chris Harris Jr. out of Denver, right. who's a good cornerback. I said he was old, but he's played good. Linval Joseph came from Minnesota. That's, right, Minnesota. They, they, that's a super – Linval Joseph is one of the best D tackles in the league. Yeah. So they, they have some real talent on defense. Yeah. They, they could be a very good defense. All right, let's go to last night's game, and then we'll go to the division games real quickly. So last night's game was really spectacular. Russell Wilson is fucking unbelievable. Five touchdowns. Um, in the game, uh, 21 of 28. Um, you know, uh, they DK Metcalf's legit good. Um, but what do you make of Cam Newton's start? And and I think before we get to the final play call of the game, um, or just the final 20 seconds, because I think Belichick actually made a mistake in the final 20 seconds. I'll get to that in a moment. But you know, Cam Newton was there for anybody, including his former coach, for nothing, for nothing. They didn't have to give up a fifth rounder like they had to give up for Kyle Allen. Uh, he was there, available. He was injured, and there were some questions about his health. Um, and he goes to the Patriots for nothing. And in two games, he looks like he's going to give them more than a chance to be really good again. I think there were some questions about his mental health as well. And I don't mean that like he's mentally unstable, just his mental desire to play football. Right. I heard that from people out of Carolina is that in the last year he'd lost 30 pounds, that it was more about Cam and Cam's image. And, you, you know, it could have been – just the exact right fit for Cam because it's just all football and it's it I thought he was good in the game. I, I thought that 
McDaniels made some mistakes going to straight quarterback type run plays, even though he's awesome. Like a couple of those on the goal line were great. They went for two where they went back to Cam. The third down where they're running with Cam. It's like, let him throw the ball. They have some good receivers. They have some good players. They were making plays down the field against Seattle's defense. I, I thought let him throw the ball a little bit more in some of those situations. But I thought Cam was pretty good in the game. Threw the one pick to Quentin Dunbar that Dunbar made a heck of a play on. Yeah, I don't know if you saw that, but yeah, the, I mean, he, he eyed that down. Yeah. And Dunbar made a heck of a play. But to me, I thought Cam was pretty good in this game. And I am I sat there and watched this game wondering, did Ron Rivera want to sign Cam Newton? Other than Cam won't wear his tie on the bus <laughs> on, on away games. Yeah. You, know. you know what's really interesting in watching Cam? Um, and you, you saw this in New England. He has such a nonchalance about him in the pocket. There's this, you know, standstill, yep. nonchalance, and it's like he's just expecting to be protected. And then if there is pressure, he then creates, like, a sense of urgency, and he's obviously able to escape it a lot. Um, but, you know, that last drive, man, he's back there. He's just sitting in the pocket, and and he, he's throwing dimes, you know. And I, I really – let me just take you through the last 20 seconds of that game. Uh, Before I, you do that, talking about dimes, man, the ball that he hit Edelman downfield over Adams on a oh. double move, oh, my God. Yeah. And Edelman, talking about Russell Wilson being underrated, Edelman might be the most underrated receiver in the league. So, you know, he's, they, he's really good. They get that ball back. I'm very um, into this game because I've got the Patriots plus four, and I also have them on the money line um, last night. Um, they missed the two-point conversion at 28-23. So now, instead of it being 28-25 or 35-32, um, you know the, they they have to score, you know, to win the game and get the cover. Um, so they th- there was a play to Edelman um, on a first and ten at the Seattle 31 with 36 seconds to go. They only had one timeout left, and Edelman, you know, is knocked down by like the 13-yard line, and they chose not to call a timeout right when that play ended with about 30, 28 seconds left, somewhere around there. I think you've got to call the timeout there because at 28 seconds, at 28 seconds, 27 seconds left, no timeouts, you're guaranteed of getting four shots from the 13-yard line, you know, into the end zone. And if you do uh, run a play that ends up getting short, you've got a shorter amount of space in which to run up and clock it versus the 18-yard ball to Edelman down the field spread out. It took them too long to get up and spike it. By the time they they snapped the ball, they they chose not to spike it. They snapped it with 12 seconds left. So I think that was a big mistake there. Um, The Patriots would have, I think, ensured themselves more plays down there. So instead, they got three plays in 12 seconds instead of potentially four plays in in more time than that. And um, there are also three plays that you know the ball has to be out right now. Yeah, it's got to be out right now. It's got to be right out right now and you can't, you know, you can't scramble around, you know, to try to make a play in right. in in the red zone in a, on, on a condensed field. But fast forward to the, you know, um 1-yard line, 3 seconds to go. Boy, they they did not go with the the run play that he had the two run plays that he had scored on, which were, you know, not I don't think they were they could have been empty backfield, but it wasn't that power formation that they were in. There was there was no option at the end of that play other than a power Cam Newton run, 
I didn't like that. I thought there should have been more options there. No, I would agree with you. I thought, I mean, like I said, I think that they got stuck with Camelot. I also thought, I think on the second down play where they got it down to the one-yard line, it's a two-level throw. That was completed to Nikhil Harry, right? Right. It's got to be in the end zone. Yeah, the one the, the the one where they ended up using their final timeout. Yes. It, ha- it has to be thrown into the end zone. Yeah. And, it, and it's the right throw by Cam. His receiver's just got to be into the end zone. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, because then they – I mean, b- bottom line is – they, they were at the one-yard line first and goal, and that was the last play of the game. If you go back to the play I'm talking about, you got 28 seconds left at their 13. You know, it's just a, it's a much easier when – you're, when you're in a shorter field situation, if you have to clock it to save time, you got a better chance of doing it there than you did in, in the completion to Edelman. And, by the way, they didn't clock it. They, they weren't – they, they weren't as sharp in getting up to the line of scrimmage, and they burned too much time, and they ran a play. Uh-huh. So they just they limited their opportunities there at the end. It's funny about Belichick. He's brilliant. He's the all-time best. I, I'm not debating that. But there have been moments. You know, the Super Bowl was one. I mean, you know, not calling the timeout to ensure that Brady got the ball back had Seattle scored was, was, a, was a clock management error. I don't care how many people say, it's Belichick, you're going to question him. Goddamn right, I'm going to question him because, like, all those people say, "Well, he got the interception." Yeah, he got the interception, but what are the chances that he that he knew he was going to intercept the ball? I mean, I, that, that's essentially what you're saying is that he predicted in his own mind if he if he if he made them play hurry up instead of calling timeout and saving time that they would rush into a bad play that would be intercepted. Okay. Um, now you're talking about a level beyond just great coach. Um, you're talking about Karnak, uh, uh, the predictor. But anyway, um, <laughs> let's get back to the division games. The Cowboy game, man, the Falcons have now lost two shutouts. Obviously, they can't stop anybody. But by the way, I think the big takeaway for Cowboy fans that I've talked to is their defense stinks. They're really disappointed with their defense. Like, it's just not good enough. And they won that game with a crazy ending, down 15, scoring, missing the two-point conversion down 15. It stays at 39-30. They get another one, and they get this crazy onside kick that I don't know what would, what, Atlanta, what was Atlanta doing. Were they thinking it wasn't going to go 10 yards? Were they thinking it was going to go out of bounds? Oh, Ben Kotwika. They were afraid. They were afraid. They froze. They froze. Ben Kotwika has got to coach them up better. But that onside kick should have been recovered at five yards. And at five yards, how it even act, how it got ten, I'll never know. It just kept slowly spinning. <laughs> like it was like the Tiger Woods golf ball that the Nike sign rolled right over the hole. He's like, how is that going to get in? There's <laughs> there's no way that it got ten. But to see, see every Falcon standing there over the ball at six yards, they didn't know that they could touch it, or they were afraid of the ball. Yeah, I don't. Like, I don't want it. I, here's the other thing that I I see in onside kicks all the time. They're, you're coached up in a lot of play in a lot of ways that three of the guys on that side are essentially blocky or four of the guys on that side are blocky and you have one or two return type guys well at some point you abort the blocking yeah at some point you got to go get the ball that should have never happened that was egregious on on weakest part to have them prepared in that situation because I don't think they knew that that was how he was going to kick the ball. By the way, the weird kick, like lay it sideways and just kind of like 
side spin it. Yeah. Was a weird was a weird kick choice. Anyway, that should have never, ever, ever happened. Yeah. Pick out that Dallas was good on offense, that, that Prescott I thought was ex- excellent late in that game. That they have CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper and Gallup and Dalton Schultz was good and Ezekiel Elliott's always good. Take all that out of the equation. You don't lose that game if you're Atlanta. You just don't. Somehow Dan Quinn cannot manage a lead. Yeah, I mean the Falcon fans want to fire. But by the way, who's Dalton Schultz? Is he their tight end guy? Is yeah. He? Okay. Yeah, I like Dalton Schultz. Yeah. Because Blake Jarwin was hurt, that's why he played a lot. Because I'm looking yeah. right now, he had nine catches. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I mean, uh, well, how easy is it if you're a tight end if you have Cooper, Lamb, and Gallup, yeah. and then also Elliott in the run game to make plays? You, you're the fifth guy that you're, you're the fifth guy that people are going to be concerned about. He had a fumble in the game. They had three turnovers, which is why they got into the hole they got into. Elliott fumbled too. Um, Prescott threw for 450. Uh, C.D. Lamb looks great. Um, obviously, really Cooper good. Uh, looks good. And defensively, you know, I don't know. I mean, like I. Did Trayvon Diggs get thrown out? Did he get thrown out of that game? No, the rookie um, from, from Bama, um, Stefan's brother. Uh, anyway, uh, the the Eagles. I mean, man, the the, not, the 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 Rams look like the Rams of a couple of, of of years ago offensively, don't they? The Rams looked really, really good on offense. I, I thought Goff was really consistent. I thought they had great balance. You know. It, Henderson had 12 carries, 81 yards. Yeah, Brown had like guy. 50 yards. Woods had three carries. See, this is what the Red, the Washington offense should be a little bit more of, I think. Woods had three carries, and Cooper Cup had two carries. So you got receivers with five carries. Right. That's real backfield action, and that's r- real balance on kind of gimmicky or nuisance-type plays where you keep people off balance, make it harder to rush the quarterback, make defensive ends stay home to make sure of the edge. You got to give Sims the ball. You got to give McClure the ball on some of those fly sweep things. The Rams had five plays where receivers are running the football, so they're balanced. Sean did a really good job, really good job with balance offensively, and and kept the Eagles off balance. Wentz again, couple bad picks. He's really inaccurate right now. I, I mean, getting Miles Sanders back was big for them. They ran the ball better, but I, the Eagles are in trouble. I mean, the drive, I mean, they'd, they had fought back from 21-3, had it to 21-16 because, you know, they're going for two, uh, two early right. um, per usual. Uh, I love. I, I just love the, the going for two early as if they're absolutely convinced they're right. Um, and they had it going, and, they, I mean, they, they're moving the ball. It's a long drive, and Wentz throws a terrible ball that gets picked in the red zone. Ter- terrible. And, uh, and that, that's too bad uh, because it looked like they finally got into some rhythm, and they were better offensively because Sanders was back. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, Sanders is really good. Like, he is – he's something else. I mean, he followed Saquon Barkley at Penn State. Barkley, by the way, has a torn ACL he's done for the year. That news uh, broke this morning, and it's official. Um, that's really uh, unfortunate uh, for the Giants. Um, but, yeah, Philly's Philly's in trouble here. They're 0-2, and they've got a game this week against the Bengals. But then, as I mentioned on Friday, 49ers, Steelers, Ravens right in a row. So, yeah, they're in trouble a little bit. Um, the Giants, by the way, I'm just going to – just going to say this, Cooley. I like Daniel Jones. I don't care what anybody – I know he's a turnover machine. He had a, another fumble and another interception. There's something about him that I like. The one thing in watching some of that game, which was on the red zone early, um, and was a game in which they fought back from down 17 nothing and had a chance late to tie the, uh, to win the game. I don't think he runs enough. 
Like I think no. I think there were opportunities for Daniel Jones to use his yes. wheels. He's got great wheels in that game yesterday, and he didn't run enough in that game. He is a turnover machine. There's no doubt. He also can make plays. Uh, no Saquon Barkley is going to obviously crush them. The, the, their season's over because who do they have? Deion Lewis uh, back there. Um, you know, and, and Barkley was you know the best player on the team. But I actually I do like Daniel Jones. I think that we're going to see him develop into a decent quarterback. What do you think? I think he's Eli Manning. That well, can be- run better wheels. I don't think he's. Uh, I, I don't think he's ever a top five quarterback. I think he's right in that eight to fourteen area in best case scenario. You'll find out more if he gets more weapons and as he continues to grow. But I just don't. I don't see the edge in Daniel Jones. There's no edge that I see to Joe. Uh, I'll, I'll grant you that. I think there's talent, though. Yeah, I see it, I see it as talent, but I see it as this long-developed, followed-the-right-routine talent. I just I miss, I miss the edge in Jones. Okay. He almost reminds me of Goff a little bit with more athleticism. I don't know. I, he's, I don't see him as ever better than a B, B-plus quarterback. All right, the other games, um, uh, b- by the way, the Titan, the Jags, if they were in the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes, um, as Sam Monson from Pro Football Focus told me on the radio show last week, they better stop pay- playing Minshew because they're going to win too many games. Uh, he had another decent game, and they were in that game and had a chance um, and lost on a late field goal. They're 1-1, one and one, so the worst team, the worst projected football team in the league is one and one, and they can obviously move the football and score points um, so far uh, this year. Um, the the other one o'clock game that really came down to the wire, surprisingly, was Denver uh, Pittsburgh, where where Jeff Driscoll comes in for Drew Locke, who got hurt. I don't think it's a serious injury; he may miss a couple of games. And they had the ball late against Pittsburgh, down at like Pittsburgh's you know 15 yard line, with a chance to take the lead down 26-21. And Driscoll on a fourth and two got sacked um, for 11 yards, and that ended that one. I think Pittsburgh's defense is is really good. I, you know, that would have been a bad loss, I think, at home against Jeff Driscoll. Um, Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones. That is, Aaron Jones is not getting talked about enough as an elite back. He's so good. He was so – I mean, he smoked us last right. year. I remember watching film of him last year. He was good. He, Aaron Jones is awesome, but Aaron Rodgers – yeah, there was something I saw this week, in, or maybe you brought it to my attention, that they signed Jordan Love just to piss off Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> I didn't say that, but somebody somebody said that last week. It was Trent Dilfer that said that that they signed Jordan Love or drafted Jordan Love just to piss off Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, it might be Jordan Love in four years, but they needed to light a fire under Aaron Rodgers, and obviously they have because Aaron Rodgers is he's so good. He really is. He's really good. Um, the, the Brady got his first win. Uh, they actually had a big lead and nearly gave it up. Um, he had a couple of more turnovers uh, in the game, lost a fumble through an interception, but at least he had Mike Evans back, even though Godwin was out. Leonard Fournette, which we both sort of panned last week, 12 carries, 103 yards, um, and Ronald Jones was like the the second back to Fournette. That, w- that was interesting right. in that game. Um and then I'm going to get to Kirk here in a moment. The Gronk, by the way, in that game, no receptions. And so what is that, one reception in two games? Yeah, he looks slow. 
Uh, the Ravens cannot be stopped as a rush offense. Um, my God, I mean, Ingram and Edwards and even Dobbins had a big run yesterday, and Jackson, obviously. It's ridiculous. Jackson had 16 carries. Yeah, for 54 yards. So as much as we want to talk about him as a guy that's going to throw the ball, and I think he can throw the ball, he's they're going to be good as a run offense or as an offense because he's going to consistently have 10-plus carries in a game. Yeah. Um, and then the 49ers had the injuries in their win. You know, they're in trouble now. Yeah. I mean, especially I haven't, I have not seen the news on Nick Bosa yet, but that would obviously be is what I heard. uh, I thought that's, is that official? It's not official yet. I don't think, um, on Bosa, I think, you know, as of now we're still, uh, yeah, it's, they think it's a torn ACL that hasn't been made official yet. The Barkley one has, but if it is, they usually don't miss those. Devastating, obviously. They usually don't. They usually, those on field docs usually know right away. Uh, Mostert, you know, had a big first quarter, then sprained an MCL for them. And Garoppolo got hurt in the game as well. Um, Garoppolo's injury was like a high ankle sprain, uh, and they didn't bring him back. They didn't need him against the Jets. Uh, I like Nick Mullins. I know. You liked Mullins when he, was, when he played a couple of years ago. Yeah, um, um, but yeah, that hurt San Francisco with the injuries. The Jets are just terrible. I'm just going to tell you, like Gaze ain't making it through half the season. You've already, yeah, you've already predicted that that Gaze is the first one to go. Josh Allen's performance, we've got to talk about. Look, you loved him coming out. People were complaining about his accuracy, the whole thing. He's a baller. Threw for 417 and four touchdowns uh, in the game. The big one on third down, late over the top, was huge. He has more passing yards than anybody else in the league right now with 729. And Stefan Diggs, uh, eight catches, 153 yards, and a touchdown from Josh Allen uh, in that game. And th- that game was close. I mean, the Dolphins were close for the second week uh, in a row but couldn't get it done. Um, and then lastly – Here's the here's the other thing with Allen real quick. The, the knock on Allen is that he throws so many wild balls, right? Yeah. That he is not – that he is not accurate. He's completed 70% of his passes so far this year. Wow. Okay, so like when you say a quarterback's inaccurate, like I've said Dwayne's inaccurate, Dwayne's completed 56% of his passes. 70% 70 of your passes 10 years ago was by far the most accurate quarterback in the league. Breeze has been at like 73 74%. Russell Wilson's at 82% right now. But you're over 70%, and you're going to be in the top six in accuracy. So I tell me all you want to tell me that he's inaccurate, but 70% says he is. <laughs> yeah, 100%. All right, lastly, um, it's, you know, it's the typical um, pendulum uh, on Cousins. When he plays poorly, I hear from everybody. When he plays great, I don't hear from anybody. I mean, your boy Nick calls me up. Your boy Cousins is terrible. <laughs> and I'm like, well, where were you last year when he beat the, 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 the Saints in the playoffs and, and, and had a, a massive year? Oh, I, I don't remember that. Um, you know, he's had two terrible games as a Viking. Last year's game at Soldier Field against a really good defense was a really bad game, and yesterday was a legit awful game for Kirk. It's funny, last week um, I heard from some of you that said, oh, your boy can't win. Well, the defense was a, a sieve. They couldn't get off the field in the opening game last week against Aaron Rodgers. He actually played pretty well. Um, yesterday was terrible. I mean, it was awful. You know, 
He's obviously missing digs at this point. The only guy he likes to throw to is Thielen. Um, they he, he, he Rudolph's a good player. He likes. To I know throw to he, he does like Rudolph. Um, they've had uh, they, their defense has been horrific here in the first two games, which hasn't helped. But yesterday, it, that was really a lot on him. And you know this, I will try to defend him. And there are many times when, where it's totally justifiable to defend him, like last week. It, that loss was not on him. It was on a defense that could not get Aaron Rodgers off the field. Yesterday, the defense wasn't good. Um, but Kirk really put him in a bind. One of those three interceptions was an end of the half hail mary, um, and one of them was a deflection. And one was, by the way, one was a tip pick. It was a tip pick, but the ball was a little bit behind BZ Johnson. But you're Still, right. Still, it's not a pick. It's not like a, an egregious. Yeah, you miss a little bit, but right. you, you normally you get away with that miss. That's right. So you got a hail mary and a tip pick. I, I mean, it isn't good. He wasn't good. I, I watched some of this game. But it, it, it was painful. What's really been painful with them, and I, I, I put a lot of this on him, put a lot of it on Zimmer too, who's super, super conservative. They have in two weeks, you know, had multiple drives start inside their own five yard line. Yesterday in the first half, one started at the two, one started at the four, and he took another safety, which by the way was not a safety. Did you see that play? He fought his way out of the yeah. end zone to the one yard line. That was bullshit. Um, well, they weren't going to win this game anyway. <laughs> Um, but uh, the bottom line is, the bottom line is, he stunk yesterday. He did. He stunk. He really did. And that that team is a different team. They lost so many players defensively, um, and uh, the loss of Diggs right now is not looking good for them. And the, the, it doesn't get easier for them. They've got like the Titans. They've got the Texans. They got the Seahawks. They got a lot of. I mean, they've hit rock bottom early in the season after having really the most glorious moment of his career in the postseason last year. Uh, anyway, my other guy, Philip Rivers, he looked pretty good yesterday for the Colts, who got a win that they absolutely had to have. Um, one last thing before we go, um, man, Bryson DeChambeau, no, not many fans on the tour. Uh, you know, he is. Cooley, he's this like golf, you know, nerd, and he's he, he. I'm sure you like him, but what he did to that course nope. at Wingfoot has to be respected. There wasn't one player yesterday under par except for him. He was three under. There wasn't one player in the entire field that finished under par for the four days. It was him, and he was six under. He overpowered that golf course overpowered it it was so dominant that winged foot it was it was incredible i mean i i'm not you know i don't you know i don't really like bryson dechambeau that much but i do like the method of having all the irons the same length like bryson he's does he's got all this yeah theory and technology that all is he wants to swing all his clubs the same way like that's what i want to do i i like that method i just don't love him He's kind of a goof. Yeah, he's a he's a bit too much for me, and he's God. He's insufferable to watch. You know, uh, line up to putt. I mean, the amount of time he takes. Um, but what he did to that golf course when no but no other top player in the world could do what he did. That was impressive. I mean, that field yesterday was. I mean, you saw just you saw like seven or eight eighty pluses. You saw really good top-notch players shooting 75, 77, 78, and he shot 67. I mean, put it this way. 
Uh, Dustin Johnson shot even par, which was the second best round of the day. Um, he started, like, I think in 35th place yesterday, finished tied for sixth. Even par moved him up to a top six finish, which was really amazing um, yesterday. Uh, I, it was a shame because all the football was going on, and I didn't get to, to watch it like I would have had the you know Open been on in June. And it's going to be really interesting when we get to the Masters in November on an NFL Sunday, although I think they'll play that early in the morning and try to finish it up by the time NFL kicks off. But DeChambeau, who's been a star in the sport, you know, winning a bunch but not, you know, uh, winning majors, uh, won the U.S. Open with just an unbelievably overpowering performance of a golf course that no one else could overpower uh, other than him. So all of that uh, math and all of that nerdiness uh, paid off for him yesterday. Uh I wouldn't pay. Hey, before we go, yeah. let me give you one one plug here. I watched the game with Ben Standig over Zoom. Oh, you did? And he he wrote a story that went out on the oh, Athletic cool. today. Awesome. I haven't read this story, so. Well, how did he? Yeah. How did you watch it with him when you were in the car coming back from Thermopolis? We watched the the entire second half of the game together ah, on gotcha. Zoom. Got so it. He he put together a story on the Athletic today, so you can go. Give that a read if you want. Ben, he asked me at the end, is there anything you don't want me to write? I said, I don't I don't think I said anything. Yeah. I don't I don't work for them anymore, so I don't really care. He said, Well, you said that was horrendous a couple times, and that was terrible. And like, yeah, well, it probably was. It probably was. Uh Ben's the best. All right. Uh have a good day. Thanks. Cooley will have his offensive film breakdown tomorrow. Tommy will be on the show as well. Uh, enjoy the rest of the day or evening or early tomorrow morning. Remember, I'm on radio 6 to 9 a.m. on the Team 980. Have a great day.